One of the most encouraging things that happened to me this morning is I saw that you have this uh, covenant renewal or covenant signing document over here. And that made me really happy because Carol and I were part of a church back in the 80s where we did that every year. And uh, I kind of missed that. So I'm, I'm very excited about that idea. The other thing that really encouraged me this morning was just the sight of various people in the worship service lost in worship and directing their hearts to the Lord, and um, that's such a blessing. You, I'm going to share basically three parts this morning. First, I'm going to remind you a little bit about my work and the team that I'm on at Easter Mennonite Missions. Then we're going to get a Bible story from a storyteller in Nazareth. We sang about Jesus the Nazarene this morning, and that made me very happy because uh, I just spent two weeks in Nazareth. And uh, the storyteller that is going to tell the story is from Nazareth, and that'll be our scripture text. And then in the end, the, the final section, I'm going to talk about peacemaking, and I hope that I, I will uh, give you a, a, a call to be peacemakers. So first, um, I serve on Eastern Mennonite Mission's Christian-Muslim relations team, and it's our mission to equip Christ's body for life-giving relationship with Muslim neighbors. And we want to do that in four areas, dialogue, witness, peacemaking, hospitality. This is my team, and uh, you see, I think I showed this to you all in November, right? This, anyway, we, um, we've got a bunch of kids, and we've got a bunch of adults of all ages, and um, we just recently went through a real expansion of our team, because up until last fall, all of our team members lived and worked from Lancaster as their home base. But now uh, Andres and Angelica Prins, who are exactly in the center of the picture, um, they are now based in Morocco. And this week they're celebrating that they actually got a, uh, a residency permit and they're, they're good to live and work there in the long term which was a real, real fear of theirs because they were very public in the last 10 years in their ministry. They put things online. They said, we're working on Christian-Muslim relations. They made videos, all kinds of things. They were really fearful that the Moroccan authorities would say, oh, we see who you are. We don't want you here. But one of the core principles of how we as a team work in our Christian-Muslim relations work is that we're, we are committed to always be 100% clear about who we are, what we're doing, why, and um, that made no hindrance whatsoever for the Moroccan government uh, and Islamic country to grant them a visa to live and work there, as, and uh, we're very excited about that. Likewise, Peter and Christy, who are standing right beside David and Grace Shank, um, they're in Paris at the moment, but by the end of the summer, they'll be based in Chad, which is in sort of north-central Africa, another Muslim country. And so we've, we've, we've changed the spheres of our influence quite a bit as a team over the past uh, uh, six months. We're committed to being faithful in our witness that Jesus is Savior and Lord, to answer questions people would have and, and do it in a way that's really respectful. Um, we want to... 
really enter into genuine relationships with people. Whether it's this genuine relationship here this morning or with my Muslim friends at the Lancaster Islamic Center and and, uh, many other places around the world, we we really want to pursue the kind of loving friendship and relationship that Jesus would call us all to. And we're committed to teach, model, and commission people. Uh, Just skip that slide, I'll come back to it. This is our, in, our network of international partners in uh, East Africa and Asia. And in a little bit, I'm going to refer to some of the special things that some of these partners are doing. But um, this is not letting me go backwards. Wrong button. There we go. Um, there it is. This is the, the four realms that our, our, we work in. And we, we put this, this is how we work in Christian-Muslim relations, but you could put this to work in uh, a lot of other settings. Are you entering into good dialogue, listening and answering questions? Are you bearing witness for Jesus? Are you a peacemaker in your setting, in your work, in your, your church? Are you showing hospitality to others? So we work at all these things with Jesus at the heart of what we're doing. Um... I mentioned that um, our, our team is, is expanding and, uh, geographically, but also one thing we've really changed on over since the beginning of the coronavirus was that we decided to move much more into making digital resources. Uh, so if you go to that website, emm.org peacemakers, you can find a bunch of video resources we made. And you can find, here's one of them. You can find a Bible study course that we made. And I'm happy to say that my home church, Mount Joy Mennonite, is starting this on March 13. Uh, It'll be a a seven-week study that our our, um, Sunday school classes do. And uh, we are working, I mentioned this maybe last time, we're working at creating a 60-minute documentary, Unexpected Peace, Uh, The main story is about Paulus Hartono, a Mennonite pastor in Indonesia, and his Muslim friend, who's the commander of a large militia group, Yanni Rasmondo. The two of them have a 20-year history now of working at peacemaking in their city. It started out very violent, and it's moving to a a beautiful, um, successful peacemaking movement in in Indonesia. So we want to make a film about that as part of our mission of how do we equip the church and how do we equip people around the world for for healthy relationships. So that's part one. That's what I do. And the... Wow. I'm not even touching anything. Okay, I see what's happening. Never mind. Um... So now we want to get to the Bible lesson. This is, this is going to be a, a Bible story that you're very familiar with, as told by Dr. Nahli. I just met him uh, in the two weeks I was in Israel. He's born and raised in Nazareth, the hometown of Jesus. He's a cardiologist, a former, former hospital medical director. He's also the cantor at Mary's Well Greek Orthodox Church, which is built right on the site where tradition says the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary about the birth of Jesus. 
And he brings a really uniquely Middle Eastern, Palestinian Christian understanding of this story. So we're going to take about six minutes. I'm going to sit down, we'll watch it together, and then I'll, I'll come up and finish. But this is our Bible lesson for the morning. One day, the younger brother comes to his father and he asks him, give me my share of inheritance. From the very beginning, the story is, comes very tense. How could a son, the younger brother, be so rude to come and ask for his share of inheritance? Inheritance usually ask when the father is dead. The father grants him what he asked for. He divided his property and he gave the share of the youngest brother. Life in the first century was based on community life. When you leave your community, you are cut off. He went to a faraway country, which means to while to exile, and he spent all his all his money, he squandered all what he had. And then famine struck, and he was in bad need. So he goes and attaches himself to another farmer who would send him to look after his pigs. The lowest possible, the most filthy work. And he thinks of the slaves at his father's house who were much happier and living in a much better condition than where, where he was. So he walks, and while he was still far away, his father saw him in this filthy condition, and he ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him on the neck. Here I need to stop to explain some of the fine, the cultural meaning of all this. When people meet, if they are equal, they would kiss on the cheek, hmm. each other on the cheek. This is the habit today. If they are of a different social status, the lower status would kiss the neck, the shoulder, or the hand. If he is a slave, he would kneel and kiss the feet. And here it tells us that the father ran away and he went to the son and he fell on his neck, which means that he humiliated himself so much. He was filled with compassion and he ran and fell on the neck of his son. And he asks the servants who were probably running after him, I mean, bring the best robe and put on him. Bring the, the ring and put on his finger and give him sandals for, uh, to, to wear for, for his feet. Every one of these symbols, every one of these acts, yeah, has a meaning, a cultural meaning. The robe means, putting the robe means accepting him back, giving him, accepting him back to the family. Okay? Then, Putting a ring 
means giving him the authority that he had before to sign, to do everything. So he is giving him back all the authority he had before he left the home. And putting sandals on his feet, meaning that he is not a slave anymore, because slaves would go barefoot. And then the father turns to his servants and said, slaughter the fatted calf and let us celebrate all together. Meaning, I mean, to slaughter a calf, it means that we need to reconcile, to eat and sit together, to reconcile his son to all the village. Invite all the people of the village to come together. The elder brother was in the fields when all this happened. He comes back from the fields, so he was angry and did not want to enter. So the father goes out to him. Again, the father humiliates himself. And he goes out to him. And the elder brother tells his father, I am serving you all my life. I never disobeyed any one of your order. One might think that he was asking for justice. And justice, in his eyes, is to punish people for the wrongdoings that they have done. And in modern-day Nazareth, is there, are there still problems with inheritance? And um, is this relevant? It's relevant not only in Nazareth. It's relevant all over the world because this is a story of a human relationship. When we see problems of inheritance, fighting in between the brothers, people asking for justice, the justice with compassion is full of mercy. Justice without compassion becomes revenge. Justice with compassion brings peace and coherence together. By the way, this story was told by Jesus 2,000 years ago. Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> He's the master storyteller. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so one of my privileges of traveling is I get to meet interesting people like this. And one of my responsibilities is to, which I, I really enjoy about my work, is to connect the global family of Christ to each other. So you're here, and I get to bring this wonderful Dr. Nahli to tell you a story. Um, I'm going to do that two or three more times in the remaining period here of bringing people for you to meet who really have something to say, and they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, w I was, the most surprising thing for me in hearing him tell this story was that for him it's a peacemaking story. Um, the father, he said the father humiliates himself twice. Once he humiliates himself to go to the younger son, and then he later he leaves the party and humiliates himself to go find the older son. Um, that, that was a surprising learning for me. So what about our own context? He did say this story is for, for everyone, not just for people in Nazareth. The, the day before I left Lancaster to go to Nazareth, 
I stepped out my front door, and there were flashing lights and police cars one block away, and my neighbor lady came out holding her baby and, and said, there's been a shooting. So there was a shooting on my street in Lancaster the, the day before I went to Nazareth. And then the day I left Nazareth, um, Russia invaded Ukraine, and this, this war started. All over the world, there's more than 60 million refugees. So this problem of violence is, is a big one. And how, are people, how do people commonly respond to things like this? Well, you, you know. Uh, we build up our military. Uh, we get more weapons, or we, we, we're currently you know, sending more weapons to Ukraine and moving soldiers around. Or in the local sense... I should probably go and buy a gun and get ammunition. How do I protect myself in my house? Um, we could build bigger walls, and we do that both physically and virtually. So, you know, we I'll show you a picture of a wall in Israel, but I also we also have walls built up in our community. There's certain places we will or won't go, or certain people we will or won't talk to. I look at our current context and say there's a lot of violence, but the real crisis is a crisis of peacemaking. We don't have enough peacemakers, and we don't do enough peacemaking activities to answer this amazing challenge of the amount of violence that we face in our world. So I want to share uh, several extraordinary responses to uh, several extraordinary peacemaking responses that I'm aware of. Uh, the first one is one here in Bethlehem. Part of one of my interviews during my, my time in Israel was to go to Bethlehem. And I did an interview with the founder of this organization called WIAM, which means something like the word agape. And their beautiful little compound there is right up against a tall wall. Do you see that wall? That's the separation wall between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And if you live on this side, you cannot cross the other side unless you have a permit. Now, as a tourist, I can go back and forth all I want, but people that live there can't do that. So that's a 10-meter tall concrete wall, and uh, just out of the picture is a guard tower that overlooks this compound with soldiers in it. And while I was there, kids on the street started throwing rocks at the uh, guard tower, and they answered with tear gas. And in the, in the yard of this little peace center, um, they, they are a conflict transformation center committed to peace and nonviolence, and they follow the teaching of Jesus and everything. They're a Christian group. Uh, I found a rubber bullet laying on the, on the patio of the peace center. So um, the man who runs the place is called Zogby, Zogby, Zogby. And um, there was a young MCC worker there who's in her first, uh, second week of serving in this organization. So this is one of our MCC partners in, in uh, Palestine. Um, they are courageously, every day, working at solving 
Not big problems. They live right beside the wall, but they spend most of their energy doing things like um, family conflicts and uh, people that are lost their job or people that lost their apartment. Um, they're working at peace, like peacemaking on a very ordinary, basic level, helping people deal with ordinary problems in the context of uh, a lot of violence. So that's one extraordinary response. Uh, here's Joseph. Make sure, yeah, the man on the right. The man on the right is Joseph. He's one of our partners. I showed you a picture earlier of a whole group of our, our um, Peacemakers Confessing Christ International partners. Joseph is one. He's in Nairobi. And I got this uh, picture last night. So this is as fresh as you can get it. I woke up this morning, and here's a picture. And he says, just reporting on what I did over the weekend. Um, he hosted a Christian-Muslim dialogue. Uh, the, the imam is in the center. There's a, a, the, the Christian guest is on the left side. And he hosted this at a Mennonite church in the center of East Lee, Nairobi, which is the most Muslim and uh, the destination of where most Somali refugees end up in, in Kenya as they end up in this neighborhood where Joseph's ministry is. And they courageously hosted a, a dialogue between Christians and Muslims. They had, a, I saw other pictures of, there was a large group of Muslims came, there were Christians who came, and they talked openly about Jesus. And I forget what the theme was, but, but both the Christian and the Muslim were to talk something about their understanding of Jesus, I believe. And he says it went really well. Um, and and he just, he's doing this regularly and um, in a quite difficult circumstances. So I'm very proud of uh, having a connection to this partner. And I just commend him to you as an example of someone who's very faithful in their own context, doing what he knows how to do. And another partner also, this happens to be from Kenya as well, part of our peacemakers group is uh, Moses. I don't have his picture, but Moses sent this picture a few, well, a couple weeks ago. Uh, an IED exploded under a bus in northern Kenya. And he's, he said, this happened really close to where we're moving. So Moses has been on this beautiful journey over the last five years of where he, he joined our Peacemakers Confessing Christ International uh, partnership as a pastor of a church in Nairobi, but with a heart for missions. And as, as God's call has played out in his life, he and his wife feel a call to go and live in the northeast province of Kenya as missionaries among the Somali people who have fled Somalia and live in northern Kenya. And it's a region full of a lot of violence. But Moses and his wife think they're going to go there and they're going to do Bible teaching. And um, they believe God's called them to this place as uh, a peacemaking presence of Jesus. I'm very excited about being connected to them. So I want to say, let's make this personal now for us. And I have um, four scriptures I'm not going to tell you what to do about them, but I'm going to challenge us to say, 
let's, what would it look like if we lived according to these four scriptures? So the first one's from Leviticus 19.34, and it says that the alien living among you must be treated as the native-born. So how many people know an alien living among them? I mean a guest from another country that speaks a different language. Refugee? Anybody know a refugee living in Lancaster County? Yeah. Anybody know someone, a foreigner of any sort, living in our midst? Good. How should you treat them, says the Bible? As if they were born in Lancaster County. They should have the same access to jobs and housing and all those things. So I, I don't know if that feels challenging to you or not, but... but um, I find it challenging sometimes. Another verse from the Old Testament. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. All the people I met in Israel that I interviewed talked about justice. And they connected peacemaking with justice and reconciliation and forgiveness. It was like these four words just always went together in the different people I interviewed. Peacemaking, reconciliation, justice, and forgiveness. So what would it mean in Lancaster County for me to live and act in a just way, to show mercy and walk humbly with God? And of course, I have to give you the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. I just picked three out of the many challenging things the Sermon on the Mount says, but in the context of peacemaking, be a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Be ready to turn the other cheek. One of the, 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 the clip of the movie you saw was from a, a a documentary we made just in the past two weeks. Uh, the, the story that's not, I couldn't tell you, and the movie's too long, is I interviewed a couple who, in the midst of a family conflict about inheritance, it got so bad the two brothers hated each other and wanted the other to die. And the older brother was trying to take the inherited property away from the younger brother and the younger brother's wife felt like God spoke to her and said, we should just let him have it. And they turned the other cheek, in a sense. They moved away from there. They found another place to live. It's a long story. Seventeen years later, the older brother's children contacted him and said, you know that property? It was wrong that our family got it and we want to compensate you, and they paid them $50,000 for the property. It was an amazing story. Uh, wait till you see the video when it's ready in a few weeks. I'll send it to you. Um, turn the other cheek. It really works. Um, love and pray for your enemies. Um, we can all exercise that this week as we think about the violent conflict, and we already did that this morning in our prayer time. And did you know that God gave you a special ministry? 
a ministry of reconciliation. God has given you a ministry of reconciliation. And really, reconciliation is just a synonym for the word peacemaker. The two words mean essentially the same thing. And peacemaking requires forgiveness, reconciliation, and justice. Without justice, peacemaking just becomes empty words. And finally, to conclude this message about justice, I mean about peacemaking, let me remind you what Dr. Nachley said in the story of the prodigal son. At the end, his conclusion was, it's meaningful for people everywhere, not just in Nazareth. And he said, for, he said uh, I think he said four things. One, he said that the father was willing to humiliate himself twice to reconcile the two brothers and restore community, to bring everybody back together in the family. He said, justice is compassion. Oh, sorry. Justice with compassion is full of mercy. The older son wanted justice, but Dr. Nagley said, justice without compassion just becomes revenge. And the very last thing he said was, justice with compassion brings peace and cohesion. Cohesion brings the family back together. So this connecting our peacemaking with justice and with compassion it was a new thing for me to learn how to connect the story of the prodigal son to such an idea, and I learned that from this Palestinian doctor in Nazareth, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm glad for the opportunity to share that with you and connect you to him. So I'm going to close with prayer, and the worship team, you can come and um, get, your, get ready. Thank you, Father for the witness of Palestinian Christians uh, this past two weeks, which taught me so much and gave me something I could share with my brothers and sisters here. You have indeed called us to a ministry of reconciliation. I pray that this morning you would help each person here say yes. Yes, Lord, I want to be a peacemaker. Yes, Lord, I want to be a reconciler. Yes, Lord, I'll walk with compassion and humility and mercy. We receive your call, Lord Jesus, to be peacemakers. We need your help to do that. Our, our hearts are very willing, Lord, but sometimes our flesh is quite weak. Help us put this into action. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>